Nicholas St. Aubin, you are a Jesuit, a Flemish Jesuit. You are um, an internet chaplain, spiritual director, teacher of Ignatian spirituality and author of a book. And it's a book, surprisingly, called Jesuits Telling Jokes. Is it really a book of jokes? It is a book of jokes. Uh, it's a book having 20 chapters and each chapter starts with a typical Jesuit jokes, really most funny jokes. And moreover, for each joke, there is a cartoon made by a professional cartoonist. And after each joke, I try to understand what is behind the humor, because real humor actually is quite serious and tells something about a hidden truth, about something that happens beyond the words of the joke. And that's why I really loved writing this book. I remember the late Michael Paul Gallagher, an Irish Jesuit who lectured in English at UCD, and he once gave us an essay to write, and the title was True Comedy is No Laughing Matter. You're saying the same thing. I do absolutely agree with that and I would say real humor is very respectful because real humor is accompanied by love for the subject and that's the difference between let's say humor and irony or cynicism. True humor is only possible when you know and when you like love the subject, the person, the situation you are laughing with. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think that it makes it easier for the person that you're telling the joke around or the, or the, the subject matter in the joke, that it's easier to f take it as true and to let it in because you're not having a go, you're actually presenting it in a way that actually makes people laugh and opens them up to the truth of what you're saying? I am absolutely sure of that because such kind of humor gives people an impression of security. They know that no violence will be projected on them because if you really love the person, if you love the situation, then you can break through the level of reality, of truth, of encounter, and people will learn things and they will feel safe and so they will be able to open themselves to what you want to present, to share with them. Well, let's have an example. Have you got one of your favorites there? I will uh, tell you one of my favorite jokes. It's about a Jesuit and a Franciscan. A Franciscan and a Jesuit were friends and both smokers, they found it difficult to pray for long without having a cigarette. They decided to ask their superiors for permission to smoke. The next time they met, the Franciscan was downcast. I asked my superior if I could smoke while I pray, and he became angry and he said, no. The Jesuit smiled. I asked if I could pray while I'll smoke, and my superior said, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> a typical Jesuit. But go on, what do you do with a joke like that? Now, you, you, you expound yes, on indeed. it here. And uh, for me, of course, it's funny and you can say, hey, that Jesuit has really been clever. And uh, But it says something about a fundamental aspect of Ignatian, of Jesuit spirituality. We do not want to distinguish between ordinary life 
and religious Christian life. No, the intuition of Ignatius was that we can find, experience, love and serve God in all things. So you can be close to God when smoking and when non-smoking, but also when smoking, when being with a good friend, when walking in nature, when doing whatever work that is a good and reasonable humane activity, you can encounter God. So he called that to find God in all things. And for me, this joke, besides being funny, really helps me to understand and to share and to explain to other people this fundamental aspect of Ignatian spirituality. Now, you used the word Ignatian, and you went to say Ignatian, and then you went Jesuit. Are we, is there a difference, and are you addressing that difference in this book? Are you talking about Jesuit spirituality or Ignatian spirituality? Of course, Ignatius being the founder of the Jesuits. Indeed. Uh, so, most between both is common. Uh, Jesuit spirituality, that means the way Jesuits understand, live, pray, the gospel, the Bible, their life, is uh, in the first place induced, inspired by Ignatius of Loyola. And many lay people and other religious live also of this spirituality. But Jesuits not only have the Ignatian spirituality and the spiritual exercises, but they also, for instance, have the constitutions Ignatius wrote, and they have the letters of Ignatius and the Jesuit pedagogy and, uh, and so on and so on. And to give you, for instance, one example for Jesuits in their life, because they have a special link to the Pope, a vow of special obedience for, to the Pope for the mission, Jesuits try to really be very attentive to their relationship to the church and uh, a profound attitude of love towards the church and that's not always easy. And it is true that when I am interviewed, when I speak, when I think, when I share with other people about the Catholic Church and also about difficult aspects of the life in the Church, I will always try to, and in a proactive way, in a very uh, conscient way, to let myself be guided by this love for the church and to let the love for the church be the reading key if i can say so to understand what is happening and yet i know you a long time you're not uncritical of things that you think that might be wrong and i think that's important too but perhaps you see that the jokes and the humor is a way of presenting that criticism as you say in a loving way and i would say love and criticism are not opposite. It's exactly the contrary. If you really love somebody, if you love something, then you can understand it far better. And then you can be more critical because you love. And if you love, you do not only deal the positive sides, but it is your responsibility to tackle also the shadow of this person, of this experience, of this movement, but always moved by love. And so to construct, to build, and not to, uh, to destroy. Who is it aimed at, Nicholas? Who would you think people would benefit from this? I think 
It is aimed at any kind of people wanting to understand something, to learn something or to deepen their knowledge of the Jesuits in the most wide sense of the word. I think it can also help to understand what Pope Francis calls the discernment of the spirits. And he invites almost daily our church to deepen this experience and to get to know better what Ignatius of Loyola calls this discernment of the spirit. So discernment of the spirit is also the central subject of this. Can you give a joke and an example of that? <laughs> this is a joke I have called it in the booklet. It's joke number five, the discernment of spirits. There are three things that even God doesn't know about the church. The first one, exactly how many congregations of religious women there are. The second secret, the amount of money that the Franciscans have stashed away <laughs> must be tremendous. And the third, what the Jesuits really think and what they are going to do next. <laughs> Well, I think one of the reasons I'm going to give a very large answer, Pope Francis is most popular, but some people don't like him. Some people don't understand him because they say, and they are right, that Pope Francis is unpredictable. And why is he unpredictable? Not because he's doing whatever he wants to do. That has nothing to do with it. But I think he really wants to listen to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does not allow himself to be guided by man. The Holy Spirit is God himself. And the discernment of spirits is the pedagogy, the spiritual pedagogy Ignatius has developed to learn, to discern what God asks from me, from you, from the church, to listen to the Spirit and therefore to discern, to make the distinction between the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Good Spirit, and the one Ignatius calls the enemy of the human nature, the bad spirit which is not no other than the devil. And discernment is the pedagogy to make the distinction between both and to learn to follow ever more thoroughly and in a more refined way what the good spirit is offering you as the path of God in your life. And that is usually unpredictable. And that's therefore often not comfortable because we human beings, we love to know on beforehand what in two years time, in five years time, in 10 years time we will do. And if we are honest, we all know it doesn't work that way. And I would say, fortunately. Good luck, bad luck, who knows? The famous mm. Ante de Nemello story. This book clearly if you read this, you will learn about Jesuit spirituality, Ignatian spirituality. But it strikes me that somebody reading this will, in a very entertaining way, also learn some quite profound spiritual truths that might be of help to themselves in their own spiritual journey. 
Indeed, because I think that's the whole aim of Ignatian spirituality. Ignatian spirituality is an answer to the question, what do I have to do in my life now? And not in a theoretical way, but learning from my own experience. I think it was the profound conviction of Ignatius that the language of God, the language of God is the language of our experience. God speaks in our experience. And if we learn to read in the book of our experience, we learn to listen to God and not in an abstract way, but in a very concrete way, what God is asking from me, not from a human being, not from a Jesuit, not from a man or women, no, from me, an individual person. And that's the strength of Ignatian discernment because it helps you to get aware of your path in life, which is a path of joy. And why is it a path of joy? Because there is so much suffering. There is so much suffering, but even people who suffer, when they are close to God, and when they come closer to God, how much suffering there may be, in the deepest level of their heart, there can be some peace, some trust, some confidence. And that trust, Ignatius speaks of consolation, is the main sign of the proximity of God in your life. And that's the fundamental intuition of Ignatius, and I think it's simply a fundamental Christian intuition, that the human person who lives close to God has something of a tranquility. Pope Francis calls it the joy, the joy of the gospel. That's the, the title of his first apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel, a person letting, allowing himself to live with Christ, with Jesus, will experience joy. It can be in a very subtle way. Usually it's not tremendously and, and extravagant. No. But the discernment exactly learns to come in touch, to, to feel, to discern those small movements in your heart, the small experiences, the very subtle experiences of joy, of happiness, of tranquility, of trust. Very subtle experiences that make out 99% of our experience, and they are the important ones. And they become significant because we know or believe and experience that Christ is with us and that's incarnational. And that's incarnation indeed. So the presence of God, the God of love, has not stopped 2,000 years ago with Christ. It goes on and God, his biggest, his main desire is to be able to incarnate himself in you, in me, in any human person. And the sign, the proof, I would almost say, that we open ourselves and that we are ready to collaborate in this movement dynamic of, of incarnation is the joy. Look at the face of Pope Francis. 
and you will know what I'm speaking about. Especially when he could be so worried and he doesn't, even when cardinals rise up against him and whatever, he carries himself with that equanimity. Let's have one joke before we finish. I will tell you the last joke of my booklet. What is similar about the Jesuit and the Dominican orders? Well, both were founded by Spaniards. St. Dominic for the Dominicans and St. Ignatius of Loyola for the Jesuits. They were also both founded to combat heresy. The Dominicans to fight the Cathars and the Jesuits to fight the Protestants. What is then the difference between the Jesuits and the Dominicans? Have you met any Cathars lately? <laughs> so well, what does that say? There is something very, very strange, very uh, paradoxical in the, um, in the reputation of the Jesuits. The Jesuits are often being identified with the Counter-Reformation and so have the reputation of being anti-Protestant. I think that's nonsense. I live here in Amsterdam. I most often go and give talks and workshops to Protestant Christians and Ignatian spirituality nowadays all over the world is most popular among Protestants. And that's one of the reasons why I am so happy with Ignatian spirituality nowadays, because of its emphasis on the Bible, because of its emphasis on the direct experience of God. It allows Christians, Catholics and Protestants to join in the same experience of prayer. In other words, the ecumenical strength and dynamic allowed by Ignatian spirituality nowadays is very strong, is real and is working. And not only here in Amsterdam, in London, in Dublin, in Berlin, in the United States, all over the world. This in London, Sweden, where the Pope went recently in that marvelous, beautiful ceremony there. I do absolutely uh, agree. And this is really a gift of Ignatius. So I think it's really nonsense to, to think that Jesuits would be anti-Protestants. Moreover, the strength of a good Christian attitude, I think, is not to be against, but is to be in favor and to find the things you can work for rather than working against. This is a great little book um, and there are over 20 jokes in it, but the drawing out, I think, as people can hear of what you've done is most interesting and most instructive. It's called Jesuits Telling Jokes by Nicholas Sintabin and it's published by Loyola Press. Indeed. It's also in, it's in Dutch because as well as speaking English so well, you are... And in French. And, and, and in French, you're fluent and in French. And in, uh, in German and probably also in Spanish. So the template is quite original. The combination of humor and something more serious, and then in very short chapters. So it's chapters of three, four pages. Very easily digestible. Thank you very much indeed, Nicholas. Most welcome. Thank you.